Hello, and welcome to Chad's ADHD 365 podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Takeda, better health, brighter future. Hello, I'm your host, Alondra Perez, and we're discussing life management skills with Andrea Cronus Toscano. Welcome. Would you tell us more about you, Andrea? Sure. Um, I'm a professor at the University of Maryland, College Park, and I've been there since 2002. And I direct the Succeed College ADHD program. We work with college students who have ADHD, and we try to help them successfully navigate the college experience. We're talking about life management skills for teens and young adults. I have some scenarios and questions that teens and young adults with ADHD might face. For instance, I'm going to community college soon and I want to get a good start. How do I do that? That's a great question. And one of the things I appreciate the most is that this student is thinking ahead and thinking about what do I need to do to be successful? So often we work with students after they've already encountered difficulties. So I think it's wonderful that the student is thinking ahead And I have several suggestions. Uh, Many community colleges and universities do have specialized services. Um, They might call it disability support services. They might call it the Office of Accessibility and Disability Services. But many do have resources available to students. And it's really important to register to make sure that uh, they get their accommodations and that they get connected with whatever services are available on the campus. In addition to that, getting to know their academic advisor is a really important thing so that they could proactively begin to connect with people that can support them in navigating the college experience. There are many things about college that are much different than than high school. And there are many more things that the students will be asked to do independently from different professors that don't know what's going on in other classes. And so it really is important to take this proactive stance um, and get connected to services. The other thing that I would recommend for the student is to begin to work on establishing a daily schedule and daily routine. When students are in high school, they either walk to school or get picked up by the school bus and they have a schedule that they automatically go through. They go from class to class and there might be a study hall period, but in college or community college, they might have one class in the morning and they won't have another class till the afternoon. And so one of the things that students need to learn to do is how to figure out how to schedule their day and structure things so that they're using their time effectively. And oftentimes a coach or a a behavioral psychologist can help them begin to figure out how to structure their day. And along with that, I have many other suggestions, things like making sure that you're getting to bed at a good time and, and getting a consistent amount of sleep every night that you're waking up at the same time every day, that you're eating healthy, getting some exercise and making sure that your schedule time for fun and the things that you really enjoy. So there are lots of different skills and strategies, but so often when students go to college, 
they really want to try things on their own and see how they do without getting a lot of supports in place. And they say that, well, if I begin to have difficulty, then I'll reach out to these different offices on campus. The optimal uh, way to approach this is to actually reach out to those services like proactively, essentially, so that they start off putting their best foot forward. How about treatment? Can you explain the importance of sticking with an ADHD treatment plan? That is so important because, you know, ADHD is obviously a lifelong challenge that students are dealing with. And so whenever you encounter a transition, like the transition from high school to college, uh, there are a lot of new things to figure out. So for students who are going away to college, it's their first time living away from home. And so their parents aren't sort of watching over in terms of their sleep or them taking their medications or anything like that. So it really is important that students have connection to a therapist um, who is doing either behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, or organizational skills training. And that person can help the student to as I said before, stick with a daily routine to establish habits like using a calendar system, prioritizing a to-do list, making sure that they're sort of structuring their days in a way that allows them to get their work done at a reasonable pace and still have time for fun and the things that they enjoy, that they're having a successful college experience. One of the benefits of the pandemic is that now we're used to doing telehealth, right? So they could actually stay involved potentially with the same therapist that they've had all along, if they're engaged with a therapist, they could continue with that therapist uh, through the college transition. And that's really the ideal situation. So telehealth has really allowed us to be able to stay connected from afar. Uh, Of course, there are laws around who can practice and what state and everything. but, um, But for the most part, telehealth has allowed us to stay in touch with therapists from afar. Many students might not have a therapist, and this is a really important time to get one. Because what we know about ADHD is even when students know what to do, what helps them, they still have a hard time doing that on a, on a regular, consistent basis. And so by keeping up with a therapist, they can help to keep them on track to encounter difficulties proactively uh, and to be able to come up with a good plan for staying organized and also keeping their mood and anxiety in check. We know procrastination is a really big issue for these students. So being able to check in with someone on a regular basis is super important for their success. You mentioned cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. Can you speak more about this type of therapy? Absolutely. Cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, as it sounds like, works both with cognitions or thoughts as well as behavior. And many times students with ADHD have gotten lots of negative feedback over the years, unfortunately. And so they may not feel very competent in terms of their academics or they might have struggled socially. And so we work with them on a lot of their thoughts and how to deal with frustration that might come up, how to deal with a tendency to procrastinate and put things off to the last minute. But the largest piece of 
cognitive behavioral therapy for college students with ADHD really involves working with things like using a calendar system, putting everything in your calendar at the beginning of the semester, going through your syllabi and putting all those deadlines in the calendar and learning how to break down long-term assignments into more manageable chunks and putting interim deadlines into the calendar, being able to put class on your calendar. And if you have it on your smartphone, you could set all of these little alerts that will go off so that you could remember that you have class coming up. Students also might put in their transition time, either walking from their dorm to their classroom, or if they're commuting, putting in time that takes them to get there on the bus or in the car, being able to schedule doctor's appointments, appointments with advisors, professor's office hours, all of that can go in the calendar. And for students who are also working, Uh, while going to school, it's really important for them to be able to kind of optimize their time. So that is a big part of CBT for college students with ADHD. Also developing to-do lists and learning how to prioritize. Okay, I have a one hour chunk of time. What's on my list and what might be due tomorrow? Those are the things that I need to work on first, right? And so just learning how to use these skills and strategies to address a lot of their organizational and executive functioning difficulties. And as I said, self-care is a huge part of this, right? Sleep can affect how we feel, our mood, our cognition, our executive functioning, making sure that we have, I have this little, you know, sleep timer that goes off when I need to start winding down to go to bed uh, and then setting an alarm for getting up at the same time every day so that your body is sort of regulated. And for many students, when they were in high school, middle school, elementary school, their parents played a really important role and kind of managing their time and being able to kind of oversee and make sure that they are getting enough sleep and doing the kinds of things that keep them healthy. But at the point where they enter college, their parents are often not there. So it's up to them. And so they could play video games or binge Netflix till three in the morning and their parents aren't going to get on their case. It's sort of up to them at that point, how they're going to spend their time. And so We really try to work with them on on being consistent with the schedule, using the calendar, using prioritized to-do lists, and also staying active, making sure that they're scheduling activities that make them feel good. So for some students, that might mean joining a club with other people that are interested in the same things as you or playing on an intramural soccer basketball team or something like that so that you're getting exercise, you're getting socialization. Many students with ADHD, when they go to college, they might learn pretty quickly that going out drinking the night before an 8 a.m. exam or 8 a.m. class is not the best plan. So we try to get them to sort of think ahead and think about, well, okay, so going out with my friends to the bars might be a normal part of the college experience. But if I do it on a weeknight, the consequences are going to be much greater than if I do that on a Saturday night or a Friday night. So we really try to get them to think about how to plan their time, how to make sure that they're getting their things done at a reasonable pace, their assignments, any papers that they have due, that they're kind of breaking down and studying a little bit at a time. 
And that they're also doing the kinds of things that keep their mood up and help them to feel good, like getting enough sleep and doing pleasurable activities. So that's really what cognitive behavioral therapy is all about. But as I mentioned, with ADHD, that follow through is really tricky. So when we develop the Succeeds Clinic at the University of Maryland, we have groups once a week that teach the skills. But in addition to that, what we found with our college students with ADHD is that it helps to have regular check-ins. So they have check-ins with an individual coach for an hour a week. And some students might meet 20 minutes, three times a week because they just want to check in and make sure that they're keeping up with what was talked about in group. The sort of traditional therapy model doesn't always work for these students because they really need help with the follow through and really making these things a pattern. Being able to do that on your own at the transition to college is really, really hard. That's why starting out with a therapist really helps to ease that transition. That doesn't mean that students that have had a year under their belts in college wouldn't still benefit, but it's important if whenever possible to be able to start out on the strong foot of developing these these patterns from the get-go. You explained how therapy is a part of ADHD treatment and how important the follow-through process is. Can you explain the importance of medication management? Absolutely. So for many students with ADHD, medication is a part of their treatment plan. One thing that we know is that for many college students with ADHD, They used to have their parents either reminding them to take their pill in the morning, maybe even handing them their pill. And now a lot of that is transferred over to them. So it's up to them whether they remember to take their medication in the morning. We've been really happy to see that a lot of apps have been developed for medications in general that remind people to take their medication. Going back to the calendar system, you could even put in your calendar a little alert that pops up every morning at eight o'clock that says, take your medication. But there've been studies showing that college students with ADHD aren't as consistent with taking their medications as they were previously. And that's not surprising. But it's really unfortunate because this is a time when they really do need to take their medication. Forgetfulness is part of the disorder. It's not really surprising that they're forgetting to take it. One of the things that's important to know about stimulant medications is if you take your stimulant medication too late in the day, then you're not going to be able to get to sleep at night. And all the different stimulant formulations like Adderall, Concerta, Focalin, they all have different half-lives and different durations of action. And so it's really important for these students to talk with their prescriber to find out if there's a, a time after which they really shouldn't take their medication. So for most students, it's 10, 11, noon, Um, After that point, if they take their medication later, then they're not going to be able to get to sleep at night. So that's a really big deal. Some students that we talk to that we work with might say, oh, well, I just take my medication when I have an exam or if I have a paper to do. But what we encourage them to think about is that even during class, right, the more alert you are during class, the better you are going to be able to take in that information. The best case scenario is that students take their medication each and every day, that that has the best effect. 
when students are sitting in class and they're listening to the professor and they're trying to sort of summarize what the professor is saying, take notes while listening to the next thing that the professor is saying, that requires a lot of executive functioning. So we work with our students to think about all the different ways that the medication um, will help them. And that if you take your medication at the same time every day, then throughout the day, whether you're in class or working on homework or reading a textbook or whatever, that the medication will be helping you. And the more they learn about their medication, for example, the duration of action, they can make sure that they're doing their homework during the time when the medication is active. So some students might not start their homework till 10 p.m. If your medication is worn off, then at that point, you're not going to be in the best space to be doing your homework. So we really try to get them to think about these things. We do a lot of what's called psychoeducation, teaching them. And we think it's really cool because this is an age when students want to be independent, right? And their parents can sort of have a hard time knowing, well, how hands-on should I be? I want them to be successful. But at the same time, this is a time when they really want and need to be independent. So we encourage the students that we work with to start taking charge of their own medical treatment, meaning that if they have an appointment coming up with their prescribing psychiatrist, that we work with them on keeping a list, you know, often in the note function of their phone, right? We use their cell phones a lot because students always have their cell phones with them. You know, that if a question comes up about your medication, write it down and keep a running list so that when you meet with your prescriber, that you and not your parent now, that you are asking them the questions that you have. And that if there's something that's bothering you about your medication, that they schedule the appointment, that they start to take over some of these adult roles that their parents, things that their parents were doing for them in the past, they're starting to do for themselves. And that's really cool to see. It's a balance between the students learning to be more independent, but also to ask for help from different offices on campus or their parents when they need it. So kind of learning that balance is part of growing up and being a college student. Let's say a young adult asks, next year, I have to get my own doctor. How do I go about that? Where do I find one? Do I have to call them? How do I get my meds if they're in another state? That is really tricky. And also that requires a lot of forethought. There are laws and licensure um, between different states. And and some of that has changed during COVID, but some of it has stayed the same. And so it is helpful, uh, first of all, to get referrals. So sometimes the provider that you're working with now can help you to identify someone who has specialization in ADHD. Um, Many students who have ADHD also struggle with depression, anxiety. Some of them struggle with um, substance use disorders. And so it's really important to find a provider who is knowledgeable about all that and who really knows ADHD. We do recommend talking to your current provider. And then sometimes these offices on campus will have connections to people in their community. And often these services are offered um, at the college health center. 
But oftentimes those uh, psychiatrists do have very heavy caseloads. It's important to find somebody who comes highly recommended. And oftentimes their current provider can find someone through their professional networks. How about, I had accommodations in high school. How do I get them in college? That's a great question. And that is something that we help students with a lot. I always love to hear when students are thinking in advance. A lot of this process can be started before they actually get on campus. They do need to either get an evaluation or to be able to provide the documentation that they've had accommodations in the past. And this is an executive functioning task, right? Being able to call the office, to be able to get the process started, to make sure that they are following up when there are additional things that are required to get the process moving. Some students, as I said, like to wait and see how things unfold before they get accommodations. But it's important to really start this process early because you never know when you're going to need those accommodations. And if you're in a class and you say, wow, I can't finish my exam on time or I need extra time with writing this paper, it's going to be too late. So it's important to find out what office is going to be on your campus and to contact them early. This is a time when it can be helpful to get help from parents or even help from your current therapist uh, to help you walk through that process and to be able to gather all of that documentation. And then once you have the accommodation, you do need to let the professors in each of your classes know that you have accommodations and to be able to, to provide this form to them so that they could see it and sign it and that they know in advance what some of your difficulties are and how they can support you. It's better if you're able to go to them and talk to them at the beginning of the semester versus now you have 10 missed assignments and all of a sudden you want their help. By having documented accommodations, the, the professor does need to allow you to use those accommodations that are on your plan. Again, it's just so important to get the ball rolling either before you arrive on campus or as soon as you get there. What if I'm coming to the end of the semester, I've tried scheduling study time and planning projects, but I'm still so far behind. What can I do? Yeah, that's a really tough situation. And we do see a lot of students who are up against the end of the semester and things have just piled up. And sometimes they can feel like it's sort of a, a mountain of unfinished work that's before them. And it can be really hard and it could be really easy to just want to give up and throw in the towel. Again, you know, working with your academic advisor, that's really important. I know, especially during COVID, some students have had to take in completes, et cetera. If you have a support person, like for example, a therapist or a coach, they can help you to look at what you still have left to do and to help you develop a very specific plan, breaking things down. You know, it can feel so overwhelming if you've got 10 missed assignments and you have a final paper too. So how do I decide 
when and how to work on these 10 missed assignments and still make progress towards that final paper that's looming ahead of me. And I think one thing to keep in mind is first of all, everything takes twice as long as we think it's gonna take, right? That's called the planning fallacy. And for individuals with ADHD, that planning fallacy is even sort of exacerbated. It's even more of an issue. Being able to chunk and to break these things down into really, really manageable pieces. Okay, so I'm going to work on reading this chapter and doing this discussion post, and I'm going to put that in my calendar for Thursday afternoon. I'm going to do that. And that feels less overwhelming than to look at the whole mountain, breaking those things down and saying, okay, now the second missed assignment, I'm going to do that on Friday morning between this time and this time and put that in the calendar. If you look at the whole mountain, that's completely overwhelming and it's hard to get started on anything. But if you break it down into smaller components and put it on the calendar and be able to reach each of those, then hopefully you'll be able to get it done. Sometimes we work with students who say, okay, all day Saturday from morning until late at night, I'm gonna work on this paper and I'm gonna get it done. And what's hard about that, for students with ADHD, they actually have a harder time sustaining attention for a long period of time. So that cramming doesn't work very well. It's totally unrealistic to say, I'm going to sit there for 10 hours and work on this paper. No, you need to take breaks, right? It's important to take breaks, to get fresh air, to sort of reset. We know that that's so important for our attention span and everything. So to be able to kind of break that down is really important and to be able to make consistent progress. Sometimes we work with students that have so much built up that it really isn't realistic for them to finish everything before the semester. And that's why, as I mentioned, developing a relationship with the academic advisor is so important because that might be a time when they say, you know, when, when we as their uh, therapists and coaches say, I think it's time for you to talk to your academic advisor. And for some students, they're resistant to that. They don't have a relationship with an advisor. We tell all the students that we work with, hey, it's really important for you to meet with this academic advisor, maybe monthly, maybe twice per semester, and to develop a relationship with them so that you know them. And then we might even attend the, the appointment with the advisor with the student and we say, hey, this is the situation that I'm in. We don't know if it's actually possible to finish everything before the end of the semester. What are the different options available to me? And so sometimes the advisor can tell the student, well, if you take it incomplete, then you can have till the specified date to finish the work. And then the incomplete will be replaced with a letter grade. So sometimes for the students, you know, they, they don't know what all the different options are that are available to them. And again, seeking out those supports like the ad academic advisor can help them to do that. Uh, but it feels really intimidating. Part of what we're trying to do, like in the UMD Succeeds Clinic, is we try to teach them how to, to be familiar with and make connections with all the supports in their campus community 
and to help them to engage those supports when they need it. But if they've never met the person, it's really hard to go to them at a time of crisis. So um, again, being proactive, having an introductory session and being able to get to know them and also to get to know your professors. So I have students, if they've come to my office hours, they feel more comfortable coming to me and saying, hey, like, I don't know how I'm going to finish all this stuff. And then I'll say to them, well, have you talked to your academic advisor? Do you know who your academic advisor is? Do you know how to make an appointment with them? And so we'll actually like look online together to be able to find that person. But all the professors are not necessarily as uh, attuned or sensitive to the struggles that these students might have. So that's why, you know, engaging that early is so important. How about time management? I set timers, but often get distracted and wind up being late to school or work. How do I get to places on time? Oh, that is such a great one. Actually, I highly recommend uh, this YouTuber, How to ADHD. It is so wonderful. She's super engaging and everything that she talks about is evidence-based, which I love. Um, Everything that we do is evidence-based, which means that there have been really strong research studies looking at whether these approaches help. And so I think that's just so important. And there is a how-to ADHD episode on how do I get places on time. It's basically all the same things that we've been talking about. First of all, I know I've been talking about sleep a lot, but it's really hard to get up and go to where you need to be if you're exhausted and you want to hit that snooze button, right? So getting, like thinking about the night before, what are all the things I need to do the night before? Well, I need to get to bed at a reasonable time so I feel refreshed in the morning. What are all the different things I can do the night before? Well, I could lay out my clothes. I can make sure my bag is packed. I could set my alarm clock and you could even have a checklist that's right there. As I said, my phone. So I try to get to bed at 1045 every night. A little timer goes off on my phone at 10 o'clock that says, okay, it's time to start winding down and going to bed. And by that time, I try to have everything ready for the next morning. Now, one of the dangers that most of us fall prey to is when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? Well, you might grab your phone and you might start scrolling and it's so dangerous. So many of our students say that even if they wake up on time, they scroll through their phone. So what we recommend is that they plug in their phone across the room so that they actually have to get up and walk over to their phone and get out of bed. They need to be realistic about how long does it actually take me to get ready in the morning. As I said, planning fallacy. Most of us think that things will take shorter than shorter amount of time than they actually take. So you want to pad that time. Okay, well, maybe a lot, an hour before you leave the house from the time you get up to the time you leave the house. And then you have to look at, okay, well, how long is it going to take me? to get to where I need to go. And so depending on where you live, maybe traffic is unpredictable. Maybe that bus tends to be late. So you need to add an extra time there. So again, it's a lot of planning. And what we know is that individuals with ADHD have a hard time planning. So if you're working with a therapist or a coach, that's something that that you can work on is to say, okay, 
One big problem is that I'm always late. So what I usually do is ask, okay, walk me through what your morning looks like. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about the night before. Let's set up a plan and try this. And then that way, if something doesn't work that we can kind of figure out, you know, where, where, what are the problems with this plan and that we can kind of fiddle with it until it works just right. When it comes to the workplace, what if I need accommodations on the job? Yes, that's a great question. We have had students in our UMD Succeeds Clinic who've done really, really well, and then they get a job and they're really scared. They might say, I don't want to tell my employer about my ADHD. I don't want it to affect my evaluations and things like that. Most employers have an employee assistance program, and some even have a disability officer. And so just like with college, a a good thing to do is to to reach out to them proactively. If possible, don't wait until you're having a difficulty, but go to see them and set up an appointment and talk with them about what your problems and difficulties have been in the past, what has helped, and see what kind of accommodations they can offer to you. The reason that I love working with college students is because we are not trying to organize them. We don't, we want to empower them to be able to have the types of skills that are going to set them up to be successful in the workplace. So all those things that I was talking about, the calendar system, the prioritized to-do list, those are the kinds of things I use. And most professionals use that, right? Because how could we possibly keep track of all the things that we have to do in our head. So CBT and the other therapies leading up to being a professional in the workplace are designed to give them the skills and strategies to be able to be successful. Having those tools are important for all of us, but are even more important for people with ADHD. You know, having an organized file system on your computer learning how to take notes, you know, maybe finding out that it helps if you record certain things, or you might be able to elicit other supports in the workplace to help you be successful. And uh, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to set up these students for being, for being independent um, adults who are able to achieve whatever they want to do. Speaking of that, one of the things that's so important for students with ADHD is to develop some sort of transition plan or to think about what kind of career do I want that is going to capitalize on my strengths and sort of minimize my difficulties, right? So for a lot of students with ADHD, They might not want to go into something like accounting where it's very detail-oriented, things like that. They have to find the match between the type of environment that they can be successful at and that could really capitalize on their strengths while minimizing their difficulties. But still, they're going to need to engage these checklists and calendars and All of that, because the last thing we want is for them to be showing up late on the job or something that's going to really impact their evaluations and their success and their career. Is there anything else that would be helpful for teens and young adults to know? I think that it is so important for these students to know that they can do anything that they want to do. And 
good therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, organizational skills training, stimulant medications are ways to help them to achieve what they want to achieve out of life. And it's so important that they realize that this is no different than someone who has diabetes and needs to take an injection or needs to watch their diet and exercise in order to be healthy. The saddest thing that we see sometimes is students who feel like they're damaged or limited. Everybody's struggling with something and there are lots of evidence-based ways for students with ADHD to be successful. There are so many happy, successful people out there with ADHD and we know how to treat it. So the number one most important thing for them is to realize that they can control their destiny and they, and that it doesn't mean that you're weak or damaged to get the kind of help that you need. Those evidence-based therapies are designed to help them live the life that they want to live and they can do it. And we all know people with ADHD who are out there super successful doing the things that they want to do. So you've got to believe in yourself. That's wonderful. Thank you for joining us today, Andrea. Thank you for having me. This podcast was sponsored by Takeda, Better Health, Brighter Future. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chad's ADHD 365 podcast.